Okay, let's go ahead and, and get right into the text. So let's stand together uh, and let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 9. This is the instruction of our Lord to us about how, how we should pray. Beginning in verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So, so we do have, we've got Jesus' model prayer here, and that's what we're, we're wanting to learn, wanting to know about, about how, how do we pray, and we, we've seen why does He tell us to, to pray these things, and what does the Bible teach us about uh, what is meant by and, and in uh, each one of these prayers, and, and how does God answer uh, these prayers. And so now we're on to this last prayer request, the last thing that we're coming to the righteous judge uh, and asking him to do, hopefully as persistently uh, as that widow. And we're asking God to deliver us from evil, okay, to deliver us from evil. And we've we've talked about why we would even need to pray that. We've talked about what evil, the, the desire of the evil one, the evil ones and the evil ones of this world, what they're trying to do to us as God's children. We've, we've looked at the war in general that we're a part of as God's children. Uh, and now in the last few weeks, we've been looking at not the, the, the war, but we've been zeroing in on how do we handle particular battles in that war? How do you and I make sure that we faithfully fight not just in the war, because we're in the war. How do we win? Uh, how do we win the battle? How do we faithfully uh, uh, fight those particular battles that come our way? Those particular ways that the devil is bringing evil upon us, temptation upon us. How do we? How do we battle that? And so we've talked about specific battles. We've talked about how to handle them. We uh, we talked about how to think. Uh, how to think about uh, the battles. How to we talked about how to think about the the war as a whole. You know, that rather than being afraid, we're actually rejoicing in the fact that we're in this spiritual war. We, we talk about how to think about uh, the battles themselves, these particular battles that you might be in right now. Remember, little, right now, uh, not forever sort of, of battles. We've talked about the promises that the Lord makes in these necessary battles that He has prepared us for and prepared us for mightily. And then we spent the last couple of weeks talking about, okay, now how do we prepare for those battles? So we, we know what to think about them. We know what's true about the battles. Battles. So, so we, we've got the right head uh, about the particular battles that come our way. We've got the right head about how to think about the war in general, but how do we prepare for that now? How do we get ready for those battles? Is it just be aware of it, uh, and now that you know how to think of it? No, the, the Bible is going to tell us a few things to do, and so for the last couple of weeks we looked at, well, what do you do? You sober up, uh, you wake up, and you armor up, and you do those things all the way right? You sober up, you wake up, you armor up, and you go all the way in those things. You total, you sober up uh, completely, you wake up completely, you armor up completely. Remember the word all, 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 repeated over and over and over again uh, by the Lord uh, in those passages. But today, we're not going to talk about preparation anymore. Today, we're going to talk about avoidance. We're going to talk about how one of the best ways to be prepared uh, for the battle is to know how to avoid the snares to begin with. Uh, to, the best way to, to win the battle is often to avoid it 
before it comes. That's actually part of winning the battle. That part of the way that Satan brings the battle against us is he sets snares for us. One of the things you want to do is not step into the snare, right? Not get into the battle. Not be in the midst of it when there could be paths you take to avoid, uh, avoid the trap. And that's what we're going to look at. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. We know, uh, actually turn to Proverbs chapter 2. I'm just going to mention 1 Peter 5 for just a second. So uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 2. We're going to be in there for, for uh, just a few moments. Because we know, we know the battle, uh, we know the devil's looking for a battle. We know, 1 Peter 5, that he is a lying, uh, ro- a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We know that. We know he's looking for the, the chance. So how can we stay clear of his attacks? Now, you and I know, can we survive every battle? Can we win every battle? Yes, 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 yes. Hundred generations, a thousand generations, yes. Uh, that, is, that is true. But battling against evil is no place for undue Christian bravado, right? So what we're going to do is we're not going to say, all right, you've armored up, you've woken up, there's the devil's snare, and so you win the battle by seeing the trap and going, I don't care, uh, and stepping right into it. In fact, the Bible tells us that one of the things God does, part of God's delivering us from evil comes in that He gives us the wisdom to stay out of the fights. He gives us the wisdom to avoid the snares, to avoid the traps. Uh, So look at Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the path. You hear a lot of the words that we've seen already are then used in the New Testament quite a bit for talking about God's protection and spiritual war. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. So that's what we're looking at today. Today, what what wisdom has God given us to avoid fights, to avoid battles, to avoid snares, to avoid the lion that is seeking someone to devour? The the lion is prowling around. The devil is prowling around. How do you avoid him? So today we're going to look at three different ways that the Bible tells us to avoid the devil. Three different ways to avoid his snares today. Uh, And then we'll look at three uh, next week. Uh, So the idea is you're awake. uh, You're you're sober. You're armored up. uh, You've got all of it on. You've got all your armor on. You're awake all the way. You're sober all the way. Your enemy's outside looking for a chance. He's outside, the lion's outside, looking for someone to devour. What do you do? What do you do? Well, one of the best ways to win a battle against Satan is to not get into one. Uh, One of the best ways to win the battle, and the Bible gives us a lot of wisdom to avoid these battles. You want to win a spiritual war in your house? Well, you don't, you don't prove that you can win this war and these battles by just picking fights, right? You're not like, hey, let me show you how self-controlled I can be. Uh, let me try and get my wife really riled up and make her say something uh, untoward to me and I won't say anything back uh, at victory. Uh, that's not what you do. You don't, you don't pick fights. You, you take battles and you win them when they come up. Uh, but, but you pick your fights, you don't pick a fight, right? Uh, you pick your fights, you don't pick a fight. 
Again, can you win every fight? Yes. Can we win every battle? But it would be foolish to pick a, pick a battle to, in order to prove that. If an attack can be avoided by the wisdom of the Lord, then avoid it. And that's what we're going to try and do uh, for the next several weeks. And again, here's where knowing our enemy is important. Because often when we think of armor, we think sort of medieval and even Roman. You know, we think the point of armor is you put the armor on so that you can sort of line up uh, on the battlefield uh, against your foe. You know, our armor is shining in the sun and uh, we're, you know, we're standing here and he's standing there. And, and then, you know, there's the charge and we sort of slam into each other. That's kind of what we think when we think about putting on armor. But that's not really... That's not really how our enemy attacks. Our enemy, again, he, he certainly does that sometimes. Our, our enemy certainly does that sometimes. But we must have wisdom to understand not just our enemy's attacks, but our enemy himself. And Satan's battles are not always head on. And so this is why we have to be careful. Because it's not just going to be a matter of, you're, you know, you see the lion and so you're armored up. You see him, and so then you go out and, and smack head on. That's not how our enemy often does. Satan is cunning, and so often are his fights. So often are his, his battles. They are disguised. I mean, just like Satan uh, disguises himself as an angel of light, so too often the battles that he brings to us will come to us unawares, unannounced. Uh, often they don't seem like what they are. They'll come toward us and it doesn't seem like, you know, it's not like when you get into these, these spiritual particular battles that you can see, you know, Satan sort of marching up uh, and here comes the battle. They're, they're often snares, traps. Uh, and so we're going to talk about how to avoid those things. And, and that's, that's what Satan does. So, so, so again, the problem is sometimes the fight, sometimes the battle doesn't look like it's a battle until you're already in it. Sometimes the fight doesn't look like it's going to be a fight till you're already fighting. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, often, or last week, often already wounded. And that, that's when Satan gets us. Since to be, I mean, when you think about it, Satan didn't come into the garden and, you know, walk in and say, hey, everybody, let's sin, right? Uh, that's not what he did. And Adam and we were like, yeah, oh, we shouldn't have said yeah. I mean, that's not what he does. He comes in with cunning. And then before you know it, he's convinced you to, to give up paradise for a bite of fruit. And that's what he does. That's what he does. And so how can we as Christians avoid the enemy's attacks? And, and one of the best ways uh, to, to win uh, the battles, one of the best ways to do that is to not get into them. So today we'll look at how to win the battles by, by not getting into them. Again, again your, your shield, the shield of faith can stop all the fiery darts of Satan. They can, I mean, all the, all the claws of the lion. He blunt, the, the, the shield of faith can blunt them. But that doesn't mean you step outside and go, here, kitty, kitty. That's not what you do, right? Just because you can win those, just because your armor can stop them, doesn't mean you go out and say, all right, bring it on. So let's look at how to, how to, stay, how to stay clear of the devil, how to win the battle by avoiding them, how to beat the devil by avoiding uh, his snares. The first thing we're going to see, first way to, uh, to not fall into his traps, to not fall uh, into his battles, uh, is to don't give him an opening. Okay? Don't give him 
an opening. Like we said earlier, we know that Satan is uh, roaming about looking for someone to devour. Well, if that's the case, then don't put yourself on the menu. The devil's looking for chances to afflict God's people. Remember, we we saw this all the way back in the book of Job. Remember we saw in Job 1 and in Job 2, Satan is is there in heaven before the Lord. God asks him, you know, where'd you come from? You know, what, 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 and what, what does Satan say he's been doing? He's, he says, I'm from going to and fro on the earth, right? And walking up and down on it. Well, when the, when Satan says he's been going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down on it, he hasn't just been going for some sort of morning constitutional. Uh, you know, I was getting my steps in, Lord, uh, and now I'm here. What's he doing when he's going to and fro, when he's walking up about the earth? He's been looking for people, looking specifically for people to devour. And the Lord understands it. That's why God says, hey, in your wanderings, have you noticed Job? Because he knows when Satan is wandering, he's looking for folks. And so God says, in, you know, as you've been walking, going to and fro, have you, have you noticed my servant Job? God knows that Satan's not just looking. Satan is hunting. And hunting people, considering them. Have you considered my servant Job? And what does Satan say to him? Yes, I have. But what? But I can't touch him. And I can't touch him. Why? Because you're guarding him. You have, he says, you've put a hedge around him, which we've seen is true of what he does for all of his believers. He's guarding all of us in that way, as even we just read that again in, in Proverbs chapter 2. So Satan is going around the earth. He's considering the people of God, looking for chances, looking for opportunities. And he's got this vast network at, at his employ, all of his evil ones, all of the evil on the earth, bent for that same desire to bring sin into the life of the Christian. It's in this reality that Paul writes Ephesians 4. So look at Ephesians 4. This is right before getting to the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Look at what he says in Ephesians 4. Here's the reality of the situation. Ephesians 4, go down to verse 26. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. And here, Paul Paul is just quoting from the book of Psalms here. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts, on your beds and be silent. So, so he's just quote, he quotes that from this. So, so, and then he, he talks about anger because what's the, it's so easy to be angry and to just spout off and say something. So easy when you're angry to lose self-control. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to not even be able to control yourself. Because if you can't control you, you certainly can't control him. He wants you to be angry, to lose self-control. Because anger, what, anger is specifically, specifically an avenue that the devil likes to use. I mean, the lion loves a good argument. He does. So, for example, Psalm 37, verse 8, Refrain from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. But we know that, 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 that that's, a, that's a avenue the, the, that the devil can use, but the devil's going to look for any avenue. Now, is, is anger a great avenue for spiritual battle? It is. It's a great avenue. The Bible warns us a lot about it being an avenue toward evil. But it is not the only avenue. 
The devil is looking for opportunities in your life. Do not give him one. And here the, the word translated opportunity there when it says don't give, give no opportunity to the devil. Here the word opportunity is just the word, the word for place. Don't give the devil a place. Don't give him a spot. That's why uh, some, some translations, you might have even be, been familiar with, don't give the devil a foothold. Right? That, that's the, just don't give him a spot, a place where he can get. What's the idea behind that? The idea is don't give the devil an opening. Don't give him an opportunity. Don't give him a place in your life for him to, boom, be able to latch on to you. Don't give him a spot to think, we're talking about Job, and you've put a hedge around him, right? Don't give him a spot to go, there's the opening in the hedge. There it is. And it's an opening in the hedge that you made. Because of your lack of self-control, because of your anger, because whatever it is. Don't give him that spot. Don't give him that opening because he will take it. You want to win the battle? One of the key things you can do is don't give the devil an opening in your life. Specifically, the Bible often talks about anger as a way that that happens. Be extra guarded against being angry, against wrath, against also what? Against fretting. Fret not. It leads only to evil. Those of you are like, I, I never get angry, but you sit and fret a lot. So men, you're hearing the anger one and you're going, yep, 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 yep. Uh, women, you're hearing the fretting one and you're going, I, let's talk about the anger one some more. Uh, because what does it say? Both of those things are going to lead only to evil. They are opportunities that you are giving the evil one. Whether you are angry and lose self-control or you lose self-control because of your fretting, they are openings in the hedge to the lion. And he will take them. They do no good to you. The anger of man never produces the righteousness of God. Fretting does not add one hair to your life. Anxiety does not help you one bit. But you know what they will do? They will open a chance. For the lion to pounce. You want to win the battle? Don't give the devil an uh, an opening. Don't give him an opportunity. Watch out for any chance in your life where you're taking the hedge that God has put around you and you're saying, open it up. Don't give the devil an opening. So that's that's one way. Don't give the devil an opening. So, So sometimes the devil takes what we give him. Right? You give him an opening, the devil's going to take it. But sometimes the devil tries to take what he can. Right, so sometimes it's, it's us who just open the door, which is just silly, right? There's a lion outside. Well, I'm going to open the door of anger. Uh, that's going to be the way that he can come right in. I'm going to lose self-control and, you know, fling the door open or, or whatever. But sometimes the devil takes what he can get. Uh, sometimes we, we lay it out there on a platter for him. But, and other times he's, he'll try and rattle our cage uh, and get a response. So what do we do then? Sometimes we get angry and Satan goes, there's my opportunity. But there are other times, and then that's when he throws the trap in front of us then, right? We've given him the opportunity. But what do we do when Satan is trying to stir us up to anger? What do we do when Satan himself is trying to create the opening? Well, the Bible tells us what we do is resist him. Okay, so don't give him an opening. That's one. Number two, resist him. Resist the devil. Don't give you an opening, resist him. Look at James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 
resist the devil and he will flee from you. So we've got the devil looking to devour us. What do we do? We resist him and he will flee from us. We avoid, uh, uh, we avoid the fight. But we, we, we don't avoid the fight because we're scared. We avoid the fight. We resist it because we're not dumb. That's what we do. We don't, we're not avoiding it because we're afraid of the devil. We resist it because we're not, we're not stupid. It's like we said at the, at the start. It, avoiding the fight is part of the blessed wisdom of God. God says, I give you this wisdom to be delivered from that. I give you this wisdom so that the wisdom can guard you, so that the wisdom can keep you from it, so that the wisdom can deliver you from the snares that the evil one has put in front of you, that he's trying to get you to take the bait that he's trying to get you to take. Don't take it. Don't take the bait. Resist what he's brought into your life. And if you do that, he will flee from you. And when we're trying to, when we're trying to avoid fights, it's out of wisdom, not, not fear that drives that. It's wisdom. We're armored up, and we know this, we're armored up, and we're facing the enemy. We're not running away. In the description of putting on the armor, as we'll see two weeks from now, maybe three weeks from now, Easter, maybe four weeks, who knows, we'll get there. So as, we, as we'll see, we aren't, we aren't timidly running from the enemy in our armor, clink, clank, clink, clank, running away. We're facing him. We're standing, we're standing against him. We're confident that we can win any battle he brings our way. And this is what we see. When, when we resist Satan, he flees from us. When we resist him, he flees from us. Now, now normally, how we view that is that when we think of fights, is we think we're the one who needs to flee. That's how we normally think of the battle. We think, oh, you know, you, bat- you armor up and-, and you have your shield, but you should probably put your shield on the ba- your back because you're going to be running away. He's going to be shooting at your back because you're trying to get away. Shield doesn't do any good unless you're facing the enemy, right? And even, even that Greek word that we saw, it's, it's, it's you're facing toward him. You're toward standing. And, I mean, our enemy, our enemy is scary. We don't want, we're not downplaying the scariness of our enemy here. We are not that foolish. I mean, he is, he is depicted as a lion. He's depicted as a dragon, as a serpent. He is those things. It's not, and Satan, Satan is no teddy bear. He is a very real enemy and a dangerous one. But it is he that will flee from us. How? How? I mean, I don't feel like a dragon. I don't feel like a lion. Hopefully, I don't feel like a serpent. How is he going to flee from us? What does it say? When we resist him, which is so simple. It's so, it's so simple. I mean, the devil is not a fan of resistance. He's not. Wait, this, is why I lo- it's like, it's, this is why I love things like predators. You know, like predators will go in for a meal, but they go after the weak one. They go after the young one. And if something puts up a fight, they will run. The kids and I were just watching videos of a house cat attacking a black bear. And the, the black bear was there, and the house cat just went, yeah, uh, and then went, shah, at his face. And the black bear shot up a tree, shot up a tree, and was staring back down at the cat. And the cat was like, yeah, that's right, buddy. Uh, uh, and so, and, but that's what predators do. When predators are faced with prey that simply resists, often they're like, I'm out. And the funny thing is, our great predator does the same things. You resist him, and he will flee from you. Satan does not like resist. I mean, we can, we can talk. 
all the time about how we wrestled with the devil and we're fighting temptation and all that. But the reality is, if you resist him, if you actually resist him, he'll flee from you. Christian, I hate to tell us this. Many of our night struggles with temptation and all, they're, they aren't because we're wrestling with the devil, but rather because we're not. That's the problem. We can sit and pretend like, oh, I'm really fighting. It's real struggle. But the Bible says you resist and he will flee. And we've got to recognize that when we're up all night struggling and we're battling, we're trying to when the, the, the reality is we're actually not wrestling. We're not resisting him. It's a false battle. And we've got one of the things we've got to realize is recognize I'm not really fighting. I'm trying to hang on to this sin. That's what I'm doing. And I'm trying to make it seem like it's real hard and trying to make it seem like it's real difficult. And, and the Bible says, if I resist him, he will flee. If you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. What does it mean to resist the devil? What does that mean? Resist him. What does that look like? And we've actually seen this word before in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 13, where it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, I don't know if you noticed the emphasis that I put on a certain word, but it's the word withstand there. It's the word translated withstand, which if you remember uh, is a combination of two words, anti and stand. The Greek word is anti. Uh, anti and stand. Uh, anti stand. If you will stand against him. If you'll stand, stand against what he's doing. Stand up to what he's doing. And he will flee from you. If you stand against the devil, he will flee from you. Stand against the devil, he'll flee from you. Anti stand the devil. He will flee from you. Just stand against what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to make you feel a certain way or act a certain way. Stand against that. Don't go with it. Resist it. He's trying to get your emotions to feel like this, either to be angry or glum or dour, whatever they are, just resist it. Don't give in to those feelings. He wants you to do something. You feel a temptation to act a certain way. Know where that's coming from. Stand against it. Don't go with it. Be a rock. Stand against what he's trying to do. This is this again. It's not even the only time we we're told that resisting the devil works. First Peter chapter five verse eight. The, the passage that we looked at earlier about the lion, the seeking to devour us. Listen to what the next verse says. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. What does verse nine say of First Peter five? Resist him. Resist him how? Firm in your faith. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So what do you do with the lion in the street? There's a lion in the street. What do you do? It says, hey, there's a lion in the street. Sing your What do you do? Verse 9 says, resist him. That's what you do. You, and again, it's that same word. You stand against him. Stand against what he's trying to do in your life. Resist the devil. When Satan tries to create an opening, when he tries to get a response from you, what do you do? You stand against it. You resist it. And as it says, you stand firm. That's why I said be a rock. You stand firm. Because the word there for firm is the word used to describe something strong, something solid, like a solid wall, a firm wall. Be a wall. Don't let, in other words, don't let your emotions move you. Don't, don't let him move you and don't let him use your emotions to move you. You set yourself firm. Don't listen to him and certainly don't believe him. And that's why it gets to, what are we firm in? You're firm in your faith. 
That's what Peter told us to stand firm in. And that's where our firmness is founded, is in our faith. Well, what faith? What does Peter say? Look at 1 Peter 5, 9, 10, and 11. So resist him, firm in your faith. What? Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And, number two, after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what are, you to, what are you to do? Well, how do you resist what faith you have? Resist firm in your faith. Faith in what? Faith that you're not alone. Faith that you're not the only one going through these battles. Faith that you're not some pathetic example of Christianity because you're battling the evil one. Look, these sorts of battles are what everyone is going through. The, the lion is seeking to devour all of us. He's got, you know, he's got, a, he's got names on a chart. He's ready to go after us. And he's done that. So that's why it says there are other believers Going through the same things. This is, this is verse 9. Going through the same things. Fighting the same fights. Stand firm in your faith. What faith? You're not alone. Stand firm in your faith. What faith? You're not abandoned. Because that's the next thing he talks about in verse 10 and 11. You're not abandoned. Why? Because the su- your suffering that you're in now, this battle that you're facing, the lion coming after you, resist him. Well, why am I, why am I resisting? He's trying to bring this battle to me and I'm resisting it. I'm not giving in. Why, how can I have faith in the midst of that? Because you know what God's going to do. You know God has not abandoned you. You know that suffering is not the end of your story because God's not abandoned you. After the little while... There's that same word, remember, that we saw earlier, the little right now aspect. Here we see it repeated again, like we saw 1 Peter 5.10. After you've suffered a little while, after the little while of this battle is going to come the forever of restoration, confirmation, strengthening, establishing. And you know that's going to happen. Why? Because God has dominion. The lion does not. At least that lion does not. The lion will not have you. Why? Because God will not give you to him. And so you can stand firm in your faith and not, not, not give in to what the devil is telling you about yourself or about what you're going through. So resist him. Don't give him the opening that he's trying to get. Because you know the Lord has dominion. You don't fear the devil because you know the devil doesn't rule. Your God does. And so since you're not afraid, what do you do? You resist. If you're afraid, you don't resist. If you're fearful that your enemy is too strong for you, you don't resist. You just get, just give in, just go with it, just go with it, just go with it. But if you know that you can stand up to the enemy and you know that there's someone behind you that will cause you to stand up to the enemy and will strengthen you and establish you, then what do you do? You resist what that enemy says. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. You resist. He brings temptations at you. You stand against it. You, you have faith. One of the chief ways to stand against the devil is simply to believe God more than you believe Him. Almost every time someone falls into temptation, it goes back to the fact that they believed what the devil whispered in their ear more than what God says in in His Word. Almost every time. I can go to them and say, this is what God says about a blessed and good life, and you didn't believe Him, you believed what the enemy whispered in your ear. That's why you stand firm in your faith. And that's why you need the words of Proverbs 2, the wisdom of God to even know what faith you're standing in, to know what God has even said so that you can believe Him. This is why it's so essential to be constantly reading your word, to be constantly studying the word so that you have as much wisdom to defend against as many traps as possible. One of the the things that always blows me away when I go to Kyle's class is how little I know 
about the world around me and about how everything, uh, not only will it not kill you, but some of it's actually good for you. Uh, and, and as I'm alive, I'm going, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Why does he know those things? He, doesn't, he wasn't born with some, well, he might have been, I don't know, he's a little different. Uh, he wasn't born with this innate knowledge of creation. Well, he studied and learned what, what God, God's world, he, he read about it. He talked about things that he read and things that he studied, videos, all these things. Well, the same thing is true of us. If you want to know what snares the enemy is going to throw at you, if you want to know what's true and what's not true, the only way to know it is to be told it by God through his word. So you want to avoid the enemy, you want to resist him, get in the word of God. Because you've got to stand firm in your faith, but your faith is going to be born, is going to be bred, and is going to be built from God's word. Resist the devil and he will flee from you but resistance again it's it's not foolish it's not it's not a foolish you're, you're not you're not in an arm wrestling contest with the devil here this isn't this isn't your chance to sort of show him uh that, that you know you're a you're a black belt in you know jesus jitsu or something like that your opportunity here is to resist him and then what do you do you resist him and then you get out of there in other words if if the devil is is tempting you with something you resist the temptation, but you don't sit there to show him just how much temptation you can resist, right? Uh, so if you're tempted uh, to say something or tempted to act a certain way, you don't just sit there and I'm going to show you how long I can hold my tongue or how long I can keep from being angry. You, you, you get away from that trap. And that's what we're going to talk about here you resist him, what do you do? You get out of there. Uh, whatever he's trying to do to create an opportunity, you get away from that. So the third thing is you flee his traps. Flee his traps. Okay, so don't give him an opening. Resist him, right? He's, he's trying to, and then flee the traps that you see. Flee his traps. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 and 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, 11 and 12. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So flee these things. Now wait, right? You should be going, wait, 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 wait. Why are we fleeing? Now, the whole point was that we didn't need to flee. Why are we, why are we fleeing? I thought, God, I thought God had prepared us. And I thought he'd prepared us to win and to win mightily. I thought, I thought that if we resisted him, he would flee from us. Is this some sort of battle where we both sort of look at each other and then we both scream at the same time and run away, right? Uh, is that what's going on? Well, what are we fleeing from? Go back to verse. That's why context is always important. Context is always important. You're going to understand what the verse is saying by normally reading the verses before and after it. So what are we fleeing from? Look back at verse 9. 1 Timothy 6, 9. So we did 11 and 12, but look at what he said in verse 9. What we're fleeing from. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What you're fleeing from is you're fleeing from his traps. You're not fleeing from him. Again, he flees from you. 
You're fleeing from Satan's traps. You're getting away from his traps. You're not fleeing from him. You, you take the battle that comes your way, but you don't step into a trap in order to get there. You're not stepping into, okay, I can face any battle. Let me step into this trap to prove it. Again, what are his traps? What are his snares? What does it say in verse 9? They're temptations. Temptations. He's going to bring temptations. He's going to, he's going to, these are going to cause you to fall into temptation into a snare. We don't, we don't go into senseless battles that we don't have to fight. Battles that we are only in because we stepped into his trap. I mean, the trap is the start of that. He's, he's, laying, he's laying traps as part of the battle. The temptation, he's trying to trap you in our part of the battle. That's what he does when he's battling you. And you have the power to avoid them. That's how God's prepared you. He's given you eyes to see them, to recognize that these are traps. And he's given you a heart that is able for once to finally say no to the traps of the evil one. Because previously your heart before salvation was ensnared to the traps of the evil one. There is no temptation that you simply have to fall prey to. There's no trap that you have to fall into. So avoid them. Even better, flee from them. Satan will try and trap you. He'll put snares in your path. Flee from those snares. Don't even mess with temptation. Run from it. In real life, if you were out in the woods and you saw like a bear trap, you and you, you know, if your kids were over there, you wouldn't be like, oh, kids, there's a trap. Feel free to investigate it. But beware, it is a trap. No, you'd say, let's get out of here. But let's get out of here slowly, because if there's one here, there might be another. Let's not all take off running. Uh, let's, let's move away, though. Uh, you wouldn't say, listen, that's the same way we should treat the, the traps and snares of the evil. You don't investigate them. You don't go, okay, let's see how long I can, let's see how, let me, let me press a little bit on the bear trap. I know it's a pressure trap. So let me put, not one pound, okay. Will it snap at two pounds? Not two pounds, okay. Three pounds, okay. You wouldn't do that. And yet that's what we often do with the snares of Satan. He will, he will put the trap in front of us. We'll recognize that it's there but we'll think, maybe I can just, maybe I can handle just a little bit more. Maybe I, flee, flee from his temptations. Flee from his traps. You start to feel like you're getting angry, get out of there. You start to feel as if you are beginning to fret, don't feed the fretfulness. Get away from it. Recognize that it's a trap. If you start to go, I'm getting really anxious, go, trap, it's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, And get away from it. Flee from it because you know what it is. Don't play with it because that's how you end up getting caught. Don't, don't step into a snare that God has through his word prepared you to see and recognize. Don't step into it. Flee from it because if you can run from Satan's traps, then you're you're ripping the teeth right out of the lion's mouth. All right, so what can, we, what can we do with these things? And we'll look, at, we'll look at three more next week that the Bible gives us. This is how you, this is how you deal with this, how you avoid uh, these battles or win the battle really by avoiding the trap because the trap is, is part of the battle. Uh, can you win every battle? Yes. Uh, but part of what God has given us is wisdom to avoid the battles. 
wisdom to avoid these. Even, even just being aware uh, that sa- what Satan does, these subtle battles that Satan brings to you. Just knowing that he doesn't always fight head on. So that you'll look for, for, for traps in the way that Satan's going to look for openings in your life. He's going to try to set traps. God's word is just giving you the wisdom even to understand that's how it's going to take place. He's not just going to march up for you and say, are you ready to go? They're just going to come in from the side. It's going to be cunning. Just having that wisdom will help us so much. Understanding our enemy, which comes from God's word, is going to help us so much. And today we learned three things about, about avoiding those snares, about avoiding those traps, about avoiding what the, 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 the battles. And we saw, don't give the devil an opportunity. Resist him and flee from his snares, flee from his traps. Don't give him an opening. Resist him and flee. So ask yourself, you know, what are common openings that Satan has used to attack you? Because the, real, the reality of most of our Christian struggles is Satan isn't using five or six different openings in the hedge. Normally, we have an avenue that is, is an easily traversable one of all things. It is the least dense part of our hedge. Uh, it is a common avenue that he takes, a common opportunity. Look at your life. What openings does the enemy typically take in your life? What openings are you typically giving him? Beware of that. Understand that about yourself. Understand what are the paths that normally lead to me sinning? Are there certain sins that you let yourself get away with? Is there a place, an opening in your head, a breach in your wall, a door that you keep opening up? Use God's wisdom to recognize that and close the opening. What what temptation does, does Satan usually use? Beware of that opening that you give him. And the Bible warns a lot about anger, about anger, fretfulness. What, what is it? What is the opening that Satan uses in your life? When it comes to resistance, uh, standing against it, what, what sins are you not standing against? What temptations are you not resisting? Are there temptations in your life that you don't resist very well? Again, certain sins you let yourself get away with. Sins, because we've got to understand, the sins won't stop there. They're planting seeds for other sins. They're creating openings. They're tearing down the wall for a greater battle. Resist him. The devil will flee from us if we stand against him. So what sin do you need to start not just seeing and hating, but standing against? Not just being aware of it, but standing against it. Is it your mouth? Are you you unkind with your words? Is it your mind? Do you allow yourself to sit and stew on things or to think untrue or unrighteous things? Are you allowing it or are you resisting those things? Standing against them. I will not do that. I will not allow myself to do that. I will take every thought captive for obedience to Christ. I will and I can because Christ has told me to and enabled me to. Resist those temptations. Stand against them. Those temptations are an attack from the devil. It's trying to destroy you. Don't just let that happen. Resist him. And if you just resist, if you just stand against it, he will flee. So if you've got temptations that you seem to think, I'm resisting, I'm resisting, and he's not fleeing, recognize you're probably not resisting. This is probably the battle, is you're trying to tell yourself you're standing against it when really you're trying to hold on to it. Confess that. Stand against it. And he will flee 
from you. And then lastly, we saw flee from his traps. So we're looking at your life. What traps are you falling prey to? Common traps. What sin do you keep finding yourself doing? But what you can often do is trace that sin back. If there's a sin you keep doing, if, if it's something that comes out of your mouth, the way that you're acting, you can trace those sins back and find the cause. What led you here? Like something, there's the sin when, you, when something comes out of your mouth, right? You say, but it's not just like that word just went blah out of your mouth. You're like, Whoa, where'd that come from? Uh, it's normally you started feeling a certain way. Maybe you started feeling a certain way about the person that you're talking to. Uh, and you got to trace it back and go, why did I start feeling this way about them? Where did it begin? Maybe it's not even about this person. Maybe it's something else just kind of put you in a bad mood. Uh, and so this person just happened to be the one that was there when you let it all out. But trace it back to its source. What was the trap that Satan set and you fell into? And now here's the result of that. Was it discontentment? Was it your pride? What did Satan wound to get you here? When you trace it all back to that point, where did it begin? Flee that trap. What was it that made you angry to the point that you sinned in this way? Trace it back. See where he set the trap. Was it about a particular thing you're going through in life? Was it about your situation in life? What was it? What did he put in front of you and you stepped right into it and flee that, flee those thoughts, flee those actions because they will lead to more things. Flee these traps. And again, God's wisdom allows us to see them, but you must avoid them. Wisdom is going to deliver you from you by showing you what the trap is. Don't be foolish and recognize the trap and step into it anyway. Flee those traps. And, and with that, on a positive note, really with all these things, what can we do to say, thank God for his wisdom. Thank God for his wisdom to see these things. We, we began all this by looking at how God's word gives us wisdom to see these things for what they are and to avoid them. Like we said, God is so gracious to give us eyes to see the traps and hearts that want to avoid them. Remember that. Stand firm in that faith. Resist the devil. Don't give him an opening and flee from the traps that he sets in front of you. Let's pray. Christian, just remember, you can win every battle. But sometimes the victory is found in avoiding the battles that Satan tries to bring your way. Winning the battles by not stepping into the traps by resisting the temptations. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Stand against him. Resist him. Flee from the temptation traps that he sets in front of you. And thank God that you can. And thank God that you want to. Father, we come to you today and God, this, this, the, how foolish it would be to think that we could, we could stand against the, the devil in ourselves. We know that all of this, your armor, your preparation, your wisdom, it all comes from you. And I pray, Father, that as you have, have delivered us through your word and you, you've shown us what wisdom is. And, and Father, you have equipped us and prepared us. I, I pray, Father, that we would see the wisdom that enables us to be delivered by avoiding the traps of the enemy. 
And that, Father, we would not give him an opening in any way. And, Father, if there are openings that we have just left in our lives and we're really happy because the hedge is really strong over here, I'd never be tempted by this or I'd never be tempted by that. But we've just got an open door over here, this other area that Satan keeps coming back to and coming back to. Father, let us not glory in a three-quarters hedge. Help us to see any opening, Father, and help us to, to, to not give him an opening. To not give the devil an opportunity, not give him a place in our lives because we know the only thing he wants to do when he gets there is devour us. Help us to see that and avoid it, Father. Father, help us to resist him. Help us to stand against anything that he's trying to get us to do. Help us to stand against it firm in our faith that we we do not believe his lies. We believe you. We believe you about what a good life is. We believe you about what you say about these temptations and these these things that are come our way and what, what they will do to our lives. We believe you. And so we resist him. We know, we know what listening to him will bring. Destruction, devouring. And so we stand against it. Equipped by your word, guided by your spirit, enlivened by the Son. Help us, Father, to stand against our enemy. And Father, help us to see and flee his traps. To not in foolishness, no, this is, this is a struggle for me, this is a struggle for me, it gets me every time, it gets me every time, and just step in it. To not test it, to not see just how, how close we can get to the snare, but to flee from it, to get as far away from it as we can, to want nothing to do with it, to use your wisdom to see the trap and to get as far away as possible. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you because without it, Father, we would be blind. We would be blind and we would be dead. So we'd be walking into Satan's traps and we wouldn't even care. Father, you have made our hearts alive so that we hate our sin. We want nothing to do with him. That's why we're in the war to begin with. And then you've given our eyes sight. A supernatural sight to see even the snares of the most wicked and deceptive lion there is. Thank you, Father. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's, let's go ahead and, and open our Bibles to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. We've been, we've been looking at being delivered from evil. We've seen the war. Now we're looking at, again, fighting the battles. How do I win these fights when I uh, get in them? We know that we're supposed to glorify God, but we know glorifying come, glorifying God comes when we actually win the fights, when we win the battles, not when we win the, the argument or anything like that, but when we fight in a way that brings him glory. When we realize we're not fighting against flesh and blood, we're fighting against principalities and powers, we're fighting against the things sometimes causing us to fight. Uh, so what do we do then? And so it can be so discouraging because oftentimes we get in these battles uh, and we end up failing. We end up losing. And then we know that, well, that wasn't glorifying God. How can we win these battles? 
And that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at sort of all these things. We looked at how to think about the battles that come our way to make sure that we're recognizing our battles are temporary. Uh, they're little. They're not long. They're right now. They're not, they're not always re- remembering stuff like that, that they're necessary, that you, that you can win every battle, every battle that you fight against even these principalities and powers. You can win every one of them because God has prepared you for that battle and prepared you powerfully, right? There's, there's nothing that the enemy uh, can do uh, to you. So how do you then prepare for them? We saw you, you sober up, you wake up, you armor up, and you do those things all the way. Sober up, wake up, armor up, and go all the way in pursuing uh, those things. And then we, last week we started getting into the actions of don't give the devil an opening, right? You want to win these battles. You want to make sure that, that, uh, you're, you're fighting the right way. Well, don't give the devil an opening in the hedge we looked at. Then we looked at, uh, resisting the devil, uh, resist him and he will flee from you. Uh, and we flee not from him. We flee from his, from his traps. So we looked at, at, at all those things, but Today we're gonna, we've got three more, uh, today, like I said last week, what do we do? Uh, what if we do if, if we, if we want to fight and we want to fight right, but what if we're already in a trap? What if we're already in the snare and, and it's already gone down? Are we just sort of like, uh, so we're in the middle of this battle, we fell into the snare. What do we do then? What do we do then to still win this battle, to still win uh, the fight? Well, let's read Matthew 6, and then we'll look, at, uh, we'll look at what to do if we've already been caught and some more things to help keep us from getting caught as well. So let's stand in the honor of reading the words of our God as he has taught us to pray. Our Father has taught us to pray uh, through the words of the Son and written down uh, by his apostle uh, So beginning in verse 9, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. All right, so what do we do? What do we do if we find ourselves in a trap already? What if we didn't flee like we were supposed to? What if we didn't resist? What if we gave him the opening? Like all those things. Uh, And we've woken up now. We've sobered up because our head has been plunged into this trap. Uh, what do we do if what, what wakes us up is realizing, oh no, I'm in a snare. I've fallen into the trap. What do I do? What do I do now? What if we're in this battle and we're in it and we're already starting out ensnared? We're already starting out trapped. Well, the answer the Bible is going to tell you is, is easy. If you find yourself in a snare, you get out. Okay. Uh, so the answer the Bible is going to tell us, if you find yourself in a snare, Get out, because we're going to start out. What do you do? You get out. We know the, the problem. The, here's the problem with the snare is, is that you often don't realize it's even there until you're in it. I mean, we, we've seen, we, we've seen, we know that the Bible tells, we know that from Proverbs 2 and, and Proverbs 13, we know that wisdom can help us to avoid snares, but sometimes we're not as wise as we could be. Uh, and so we don't see a snare until it's too late. Uh, Proverbs 7 is great because it talks about the dangerous nature of evil's snares. 
and what they do and why you need to take. So Proverbs 2 tells you, I'm giving you wisdom to avoid the snares of evil. And Proverbs 7 is like, let me tell you why you need to turn back to Proverbs 2 uh, and read that again. Because evil snares are, of course, very bad and unfortunately very persuasive. They're very persuasive. So look at Proverbs chapter 7. Go down to verse 21. So here we've got the, he's instructing this man, look, don't, don't go after the strange woman who is really just speaking these words of evil. She's trying, she's one of the evil ones who's working for the evil one. Don't listen to her. Look at verse 21. With seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. So one of the problems with evil we see here, one of the problems is that we, we often don't, we don't realize we're in a snare un, until it's too late. We, we wake up uh, when, we're, when we're caught. Uh, we're, we're, we haven't been sobered, we haven't been armored, and we don't realize that until the trap has been sprung. And so like dumb oxes, we follow evil, even though it's leading us to slaughter. Like dumb oxes, we follow, you know, just marching to the slaughter the whole way. It's often, he says, it's often only when the arrow pierces our liver that we realize that we've been caught fast. It's when the arrow hits us and we go, oh, wait, how did I get here? And how many times have you been... uh, reacting to an incident and and been committing evil in how you talk or in how you think. And it's only when some consequence happens that you go, wait, how did I get here? Like something comes out of your mouth and you go, how did I say that? Why did I say that? Where did that come from? You've been caught in the trap several steps before that. The trap didn't spring when it came out of your mouth. The trap sprang in your heart several times and that affected your thoughts. Then your thoughts affected your mouth. Uh, But the trap was sprung long ago but you didn't realize it till the till the arrow whack till it till it hit satan has been alluring us he's been tempting us into these traps and we didn't see it we even we even he says like a fool or like the bird what do we do we even will rush into the into the snare and then the the trap snaps or 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 we snap and Solomon's right. This is, this is why you need to be aware of these things because evil, evil will entice you to do these traps. These traps are well hidden, they're deceptive, and we often don't realize we're in them until we're in them. Okay, so what do we do then when that happens? What do we do when we haven't used God's wisdom to avoid these traps? What do we do when we are the deer who has the arrow in its liver? We are the bird who has rushed into one of Satan's snares. What do we do when we wake up and sober up, but it's too late? We're already upset or we're already in the midst of a battle that we go, I probably shouldn't have started this, but here I am. I'm in the midst of it. What do I do now? And we realize, oh no, oh no, I'm in a snare. I'm in the trap. This is, this is not, this isn't the Lord telling me to say these things. So who is it? Let's test that spirit. So what do we do then? The Bible says, again, it's simple. Get out of it. Get out. You've fallen into a snare. Your first step is to get out. You've seen that you've been fooled. 
Now is not, and this is what happens. Now is not the time when you realize, oh no, I've done wrong. That's not the time to start backtracking and figuring out how you got here, right? In that moment, in that heated moment, or that reaction of sin where the trap is sprung, you don't backtrack and think, well, how did I get here? Whose fault was it? And let's, let's sort of work those things out. Now is the time to evade. Now is the time to get out of the trap of the devil. And sometimes we'll recognize we're not where we need to be. But now, now that we're here, you know, I, I, I want to do something about this. And that's what you need to do. If you realize where you're at, get out of there. You know your heart's not in the right place. That's not a time to say, well, I mean, I know my heart's in the, not in the right place. I know I've been caught in a snare, but let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and have it out right now. No, flee from the trap. Flee from the snare. Get as far away from that mental state as you can. But don't, don't just think about those things. Get out of the snare. If you're, if you're angry... Confess your anger and quit being angry. It's easy. Get out of the snare. You go, oh no, Satan's caught me and I'm angry now. What do I do? Well, really, I got angry because she did. No, that's not what you do. What you do if Satan has caught you in a snare is you go, hey, I shouldn't be angry. Let me confess my anger and repent of it and turn from it. Quit being angry. If you find yourself anxious and you go, oh no, I can't believe that Satan let, convinced me to be anxious. I was doing so good and here I am all anxious. You don't, you don't start to think about, but why am I anxious? Because this really could. No, don't do that. What you do is you confess the anxiety and you get away from it. You get out of that trap as quickly as you can. If you've been a jerk of a husband or if you've been a nag of a wife, just confess that and quit being those things. Just get out of the snare. Don't overcomplicate it. Confess and repent. Confess and go the other way. There's not some big solving process here. And certainly don't what we do, we don't, don't, certainly don't justify the trap. That's what we'll often do. Certainly don't justify the trap. Well, where do we get this? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is exactly what's going to be going on. 2 Timothy chapter 2, go down to verse 22. Here we're going to see Satan working these traps and what we can do. Uh, to, to, to stay out of them and really to help others stay out of them as well. Go down to verse 22, 2 Timothy chapter 2, down to verse 22. It says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So you've got, you've got these common traps, right? In verse 22, you've got passions, controversies, fightings, all those traps that the devil you know, commonly lays. Is flee those things, just like we saw last week. Flee these things. Your passion's trying to get you to do something that's ungodly? Realize that's a trap. Flee it. Flee it. Don't wonder, why am I feeling this way? Don't negotiate with the trap. Don't, certainly don't justify the trap again. Flee it. Have nothing to do with these things. And Paul tells Timothy why. Verse 24. What does he say? Why? The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So so servants of the Lord are not driven by those things. Those those things like passions and fighting things, quarreling. He's not driven by those. They, they, They must not be someone who's driven by those things. Instead of being quarrelsome, they should be noted as someone who is kind. They should teach people the truth, which assumes because the people don't know the truth yet. You have to teach them the truth. They already know the truth. You're teaching them the truth, and they're to be patient. Even, be patient even with evil. Their opponents, what do they do? They correct them, but they correct them with gentleness. 
But why? Why are they to do these things? Look at what he says in the rest of verse 25 and into 26. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after having been captured by him to do his will. So here we see the, 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 the snares of Satan are foiled by the twin keys of confession and repentance. Confess, realize you're in a snare, admit you're in a snare, or you will never try and escape it. Say, I'm trapped. I'm trapped, and this trap is not truth. Don't, if you don't do that, you'll just sit around justifying your act. If you don't confess, I'm in a trap. If you don't confess, I've been snared, then all you'll do is, again, you'll just justify the trap. You'll justify your actions. So you'll react in a way that you know is not godly. And instead of just confessing that, you'll say, well, she just, well, he just, you're one of my kids. It's just, and I say, it's just is not just to say. Don't say it's just. Well, or you say that, well, my life is. You give all the excuses for why you're in the trap and going, well, maybe the trap is not so bad. You see you're in a trap. If you're reacting in a way that you know is not God, the first thing you do is confess, I've been trapped. I've been snared. And then repent. Get out of it. Get out of the trap. Go the other way. Flee from it like you should have to begin with. You see, you you, you didn't see the trap at first, but you, you do now. So what do you do? You run from that trap. So, so Christian, if, if, if you see yourself, you're, you're, in, you're in a situation, you realize, I've been snared by the, the evil one here. I'm saying and doing or thinking something I should not be, which is, a, which is a trap that he sprung. However it got here, however it occurred, let's not get there yet. First, let's deal with the fact that you're in the trap. First, so when a deer's in a trap, he doesn't sit there and go, okay, I'm in a trap. Man, I really should have taken that other path. You know, the deer doesn't stop and sort of look around and say, oh, if I'd have gone to the left instead of the right, I wouldn't even be here. No, what does any animal caught in a trap try to do? Get out of it, right? There's no contemplation about how they got there. They just try to get out. Same thing for us. First thing you do, get out. Once you're out, then you can contemplate how you got there, right? Then we can talk about who did the what's it to get to the where's it. Whatever that is, then you can do that. But when you're in the trap, just get out. Confess and repent. Confess, get away from it as quickly as, as you can. Again, before, before, you, before you go and try and figure out how the lion got through the hedge, you get out of the trap. When, you're, when your head is in, in the lion's mouth, you don't wonder how it got there. You just get your head out of the lion's mouth and thank God that it didn't kill you in the process. You just get away. So flee. The first thing you got to do, if if you're caught in a trap, what do you do? We're battling Satan. We see, okay, I haven't done perfectly. I didn't armor up. I I wasn't sober up. I wasn't awake. I wasn't looking. I didn't flee from these traps, and now I'm in it. What do I do? Simple. Get out. Get out. Don't make it more complex than that. Confess that you've been trapped by Satan to say or think what you should not say and think, and then quit saying and thinking what you are saying and thinking. And you do that, and guess what? You're out of the trap. You may not be out of the consequences, but you're out of the trap. And that's the first step. First step to, to, to getting out of Satan's snare is to just get out. Confess and repent. Those are always the keys to getting out of any of Satan's traps. Just confess it and repent it. Confess and repent. 
But what else can we do? I mean, okay, we look at got some pretty good battles here going on, pretty good tools. There are actually other tools. So, okay, what are we doing? We're not giving the devil an opening. We're resisting him. We're fleeing from his traps. If we do get stuck, we get out of it. But what else? Not only do you get out, you get to work. Get to work. We actually learn this truth from uh, Paul when he talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5. That one of the ways to avoid battles with the devil is to be busy. Get to work. 1 Timothy 5, Paul's talking about the church's responsibility here to care for widows. And especially those who don't have any family to take care of them and who are godly widows, which are often, those are you know, criteria uh, really helpful for churches in terms of taking care of anyone. But in talking about these widows, and particularly the temptation to these younger women, Paul talks about how these dangers are, are really dangers and temptations that ultimately come from Satan. And so Paul says not to enroll these younger widows in the, in the church's financial support. Don't, don't, don't financially support these younger widows. You go, oh, now why would he not do that? Don't financially support the younger widows. And the younger widows are like, well, now I do feel older. Uh, Don't financially support the younger widows. Why? It's because of the temptations from Satan they will face and that they need to avoid. And that if the church church starts supporting them financially, it's actually going to set them up for common snares that will come their way. So, So I think this is a helpful instruction. It's actually good for all of us, not just young widows, to understand because it's letting us know what's going to keep them out of Satan's snares. So look down in verse 13 through 15. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. So he said, look, these, the, the reason you don't enroll these younger widows is these younger, these younger widows need to learn not to be idlers. And, and, and in the end, that causes them. He said, if they're idlers, it's going to cause them to give Satan an opening, to give the adversary, the Satan, uh, an, an, an occasion for slander. And, and he says, some have already strayed after him. So, so, so there's the battle and the failure. Right? The battle that came in the failure with it. What's the problem? He says they learn to be idlers. Now, it's not clear in the English, but the word idlers there in the Greek is simply they learn to be not workers. They learn to be not workers. They learn, they're just not workers. And so in being these not workers, it's in being those that Satan's able to get an opening. There's the opening into a snare. And so the best way to get these young widows away from Satan, to to keep them from his snares, is to get them to work. In this case, to have them get married, have kids, and take care of their houses. You want, and this is true, not just for young widows, this is true for, for anyone. You want to avoid Satan's traps, get to work. The old saying is right. It's not in your Bibles, but it's right. Idle hands are the devil's play shop. Because here, how do these widows avoid straying after Satan? How do they avoid Satan? He says, look, look, I don't want you to, they're, 
They're needing to eat and they need all these other things. And Paul says, don't give that to them. Because the greater danger is if you start supporting them, they're going to quit working uh, and that's going to be a snare for them. And so what do you do? You do the hard thing of telling them, sweetie, what you need is to get married, have kids and manage your household. That's what you need. In other words, you need to, these young women need to be, they need to get to work. The problem is that they'll learn to be not workers. And so if they're, if they're young women, how, do they, how does he tell them to be workers? Well, this is what you do. You get married, you have kids, and you manage household. That's how you become a worker. So it's the danger of not working. And so this is the answer for them. And for these women, that means uh, working here in their houses. So when a, when a woman tells me that she's struggling spiritually, and she needs to get out of the house. My Satan radar goes off. Not that she's Satan. Uh, because Not that she is, but I know where that comes from. Because it came from, it's been coming from that same source all the way since, since 1 Timothy here. Why? Why does my Satan radar go off? Because that's exactly what's always been happening. And God says, even here in the early church, that Satan's trying to get these women out of their homes or keep these women out of their homes. And Satan will tell them, the answer, the answer, you're going through difficulty. The answer is, you need to get out of the house. And God says, no, the temptation is to get out of the house. That's the danger. Satan's going to tempt you to need to get out of the house more. And so he says, look, what you need for these young women, what they needed, the problem is they're not in their house. The problem is they're not working. They're not busy. Satan is so crafty that he'll convince you the solution is actually the problem. And it's what he's done since the garden. I mean, here the solution for these young widows was Paul says, look, they need, they need to understand, they need to, be, they need to be workers. And specifically how? They need to get married, have kids, and, and manage their households. And Satan will tell you, no, 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 that's the problem. But that's what he's been doing since the garden. Since the garden, he's told us that the solution is the problem. So ladies, if you feel like getting out of the home would, would solve more of your problems, if the house is the source of your struggles, recognize that's not coming from the Lord. And as I was writing this, I thought there's going to be a lot of women who are going to go, oh, snap, he's talking about me right now because I have told him that. Look, that's <laughs> you, that is not an uncommon thing for me to hear as a pastor. Just so you know, you have a large social group with you. Uh, and you have it all the way back to 1 Timothy here. You got it all the way back uh, to 1 Timothy. That's exactly what's going on here. This is a trap that Satan has been using since the first century. The devil will tell us we're spending too much time working and God tells us we're probably actually spending too little time actually working. And don't just do stuff, do work, right? Here, it gives specific work these women need to do. It says get married, have kids, manage their homes. I, lo- I love that word, manage homes. I don't like the translation. The translation is horrible. The Greek is way better. The Greek is oika despotes, be house despots. Wouldn't you want to be that? Like, I, uh, I, you know, I am Brenda, house despot. Uh, I mean, it would be great. Be a house despot. It's the, if you go down just into chapter 6, It's the word that's going to be translated masters when it talks about masters and slaves. Be the housemaster. Women are to master their homes. They're to take dominion over them. And when they do that, if they thought, my job is to take dominion over this, well, that would would protect them from the snares of Satan. So ladies, I mean, take dominion over your homes. Be in control of them. Master them. If you don't, if they're mastering you, 
If you're not seeing the glory that God has bestowed on you in getting to be uh, master of the house, then Satan will use that as a snare and a battle for you. If you're not mastering your home, if you don't have dominion over your home, or if your home's mastering you, that will be a snare that Satan will use against you. But again, these ladies were busy, right? They were working. They were busy, but what were they? They were busy bodies. So again, when I'm saying get to work, I'm not saying just do anything, do something. Here, the work they were supposed to do is master your house. Take dominion over your home. But these ladies, they were busy. They were doing stuff, but they were busy bodies. What does it say they were doing? They were going from house to house. Now, you got to remember, back then, that took work. That would wear you out. Because uh, house to house wasn't just like, you know, my neighbor across the street, and we're going to meet on the porch and drink coffee and gab a little bit. I mean, house to house was, was a labor to do. They had to walk. They had to travel. I mean, they're not just, these ladies aren't just sitting around, but they weren't working either. Even though they were busy, they weren't working. And you can be busy and still not be working. Men, you can be tasking hard. And beware beware of always having tasks, of always having something that needs to be done. A work that needs to take place, but doing it in a way that causes you to avoid your families. To avoid doing the real work of raising your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Because I got this to do and that to do and that. I mean, you can all, we, can always, we can always fill up our schedules with stuff that is not the work we need to be doing. And it's especially sad when we'll say, oh, I would have done that work I know I need to do, but I was so busy doing this and this and that. And I go, who made you do this and this and that? Well, I did. Who signed you up for this and this and that? Well, I did. You know, no one, wait, no one held a gun to you and said, you've got to do these 100 extra things. No. So who's the one that chose to do them? I did. Uh, who's the one that chose to be busy in a way that in, kept you from working? I did. These women were busy. And men, you can be busy with all the things that are not work. Women, again, beware of being busy, of having errands and play dates and all these things, but all in an effort to get out of the house. All in an effort because you, you do not have mastery over your house. It is not your domain. It is mastering you. And so you got to get away from it. That's a snare that Satan has been laying for us since the first century. And I would assume since beyond. But I can at least guarantee since here. And again, this is even, this is even worse for our age. Because we can go to a whole lot, we can do a whole lot more house to house stuff today. Because we can do it. We can go house to house through phone calls or text messages or Facebook. We can, go, we can go to a lot of house to houses. I mean, Christian women who would never, would never drive to their friend's house just to complain can pick up a phone and complain very easily. Men who would never tell a friend that they don't want to lead their family in worship. They, they don't know what to do with their kids. And they're scared of, of family. They're scared how their kids are going to react. They're scared what their wife's going to do. Men who, 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 who would never admit that to a friend will find the time to play video games or to, to go hunting or to find more chores to do or to take on a little extra work to, or go help a buddy out. The only people who have time to go from house to house are people who aren't taking care of their own house and who are now looking to tear down the houses of others. Paul says if they were busy with their own houses, they wouldn't be going house to house. 
Do you want to avoid the devil's traps? What do you need to do? Well, the call to these young widows is the same call to all of us. You need to get to work. You need to get to work in the things of one of the worst temptations. And that's a total side note for me. Well, it's not really a side note. One of the worst temptations for us as working human beings is we've allowed the American work schedule to dictate how we think God's work schedule is. We expect to get to rest from work more than just one day a week. And, 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 and we're, we, were, we were made, Genesis says, we were made to slave. That's the, the word there when it says, you know, you're going to labor. Six days you shall labor. Those of you who were there on Wednesday night, like you already told us this. Uh, we were made to slave for six days. Get all our tasks done and then rest. That's how we were made. And yet we'll have a hard day within that work. We'll have one day of slaving and we go, tomorrow better not be like this. Look, unless tomorrow is the Lord's day, tomorrow better be like this. Because if you ain't slaving, then you ain't working. And if you ain't working, then what you're doing is you're opening up a chance for Satan to use your lack of work to be an opening for him. If you want to avoid temptation, get to work. One of the best ways to stay out of trouble is to be too tired to do it. My dad used to tell me that. And then he found out I never got tired. Uh, One of the best ways to stay out of trouble is just to be too tired to do it. One of the reasons that we can get so easily ensnared is that we're not really working. We're busy, just like these widows. We're busy, but we can be busy with all the wrong things. Get back to the basics. The basic, get married, have kids, and take dominion of that house for the Lord's glory. Spend six days slaving and then rest on the Lord's day. Get to work, church. You want, if, you want, if you want to avoid Satan's trap, be so busy working for the Lord that you don't have time for Satan to distract you with anything else. Be busy. Slave in what you're doing. Because the devil has a hard time putting your feet in a trap when you've got your hand on the plow. So don't give the devil an opening. Resist him. Flee his traps. Get out of any traps you might already be in. Get to work. And then, what else can we do? There's one... One more thing here, Uh, don't quit. Don't quit doing those things. Get out, get to work, and don't quit. We actually see this in Ephesians 6. take, Take all these things that we looked at and keep doing them. Don't just avoid one trap, right? Don't just go, oh, I need to resist him. Don't just resist him once. Don't think, oh, I need to armor up. Don't just armor up one day. Keep doing those things. You don't just get out of one trap. Don't just get to work one time. Do those things every day. Do not stop doing those things. Look at how Ephesians 6 ends. This is, again, Ephesians 6, we've been in it a lot because it's where it talks about the armor of God. Look at how Ephesians 6 ends. Go down to verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You've probably got all those alls already marked in your Bible, but you can see them already again, just in verse 18. What does he say? We're to be praying at all times. We're always to be asking to be delivered from evil. In other words, don't forget this prayer. 
don't forget the importance of asking God to deliver you from evil. Now, some of you have said that before we started looking at the Lord's Prayer and this deliver us from evil, you very rarely prayed this part of the Lord's Prayer. You certainly weren't praying it every day or you would only pray it when things got tough. And now you're praying it in every prayer. You're throwing it into every prayer because you're like, there might, the evil might be out there right now. So I'm going to pray, like deliver us from evil. You're throwing it on anything like, Lord, thank you for this bread and deliver us from evil. Uh, and the people who haven't gone through this Bible study are looking at you like, why did you just pray that? Uh, what do you know that I do not know? Uh, and, and so some of you are saying, look, I've just started. Don't ever stop that. Don't let it be that just because we're studying this right now, just because we're looking at this right now, I mean, if in six years you're not still praying, deliver us from evil in every one of your prayers, then what you've done is you have quit. If you're just armoring up for the next month or two months or year, and then you don't have that, what you do, what you've done is you've quit. And the battle will still continue. Satan is not going to quit. Satan is not going to stop looking for an opening. He's not going to stop uh, uh, trying to devour you. None of those things will not stop. But you're, so you're doing these things. Now, that's great. But will you still be doing it in two years? You might be thinking, well, you still might be preaching on it in two years, and that might be true as well. Uh, are you going to be doing it in two years, though? You're doing it now. That's great. But are you going to quit? What's going to happen when we quit studying it? When we quit preaching about prayer, we quit looking at delivering us from evil. Will there come a moment where you're not asking at all times to be delivered from evil? Because here, Paul, in the middle of a section on spiritual warfare, what does he remind them of? Don't quit doing this. Don't stop it. And then Paul, and, and then Paul says, well, look, and with this, and to that end, what? Keep alert. I love this. The, the Greek word here is don't sleep. Don't sleep. I like that translation better than the, than the keep alert because keep alert sounds like a positive command and this is a negative command. Don't do this. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. It's the word, if you, if you go down in 2 Corinthians, it talks about uh, when Paul's discussing his hardships and his sleepless nights, it's the, it's the same word. Be sleepless. Don't sleep. There is a danger for you to hear all of this and hear all of it for weeks. All the things that we looked at for all these, so there's a danger for you to hear all this stuff and then go back to sleep. And you hear that and you go, wait, there's no way. I mean, I've, we've talked about, the, you know, we, we talked about the evil one. We talked about armor. There's no way I'd go back to sleep. Paul says in here, right after talking about armoring up, he tells them, not keep alert. He tells them, don't sleep. Now, how can they sleep? after just being told about all the armor of God, just being told about how the evil one's coming after them, and just being told about his fiery darts and the shield they've got to use and all this, you better pray at all times and all this. And by the way, don't go to sleep. Because there's a danger for us to do that very thing. God can describe the enemies we face, how much we need to put on all his armor, all the, the, the armor that's going to help us stand against Satan's schemes and his arrows, and yet God still has to say, after all of that, now, don't quit praying and don't go back to sleep. He's just woken us up to this reality. Hey, you're not battling flesh and blood. You're battling spiritual uh, principalities and powers and spiritual forces, all these things. And look, this is how you armor up for them and all that. And then he says, oh, and by the way, don't go back to sleep after hearing this. But we know that's true. We, how many of us have been moved by the words of the Lord on a Sunday and our life not be changed at all by Monday? 
How many of us are on Sunday like, wow, that was so good. And by Monday, if I were to ask you what was so good, you'd go, I don't remember, but it was. Because what happens? We go to sleep, sometimes quite literally, but certainly spiritually. And right now, even after we've spent weeks, I mean, I spent weeks, I spent weeks trying to scare you to death about Satan. Trying to tell you all that the Bible says he wants to do to you. Trying to get you ready for war. And there's one harsh reality for us, even after all this time that we've spent talking about deliver us from evil, is that we'll be tempted to quit. Even even after knowing all that, we'll be tempted to quit. After hearing all that the Bible says and all that the Bible warns us about, we'll be tempted to go back to sleep. And you know what? The devil knows it. And he ain't no fool. He knows it. The devil knows that he can actually put the brakes on his attacks right now when you're ready. He can put the brakes on the attacks when you're reading these things and thinking about these things and you're talking about them on Sunday and the church is discussing them. You're like, I, I'm praying for deliverance from evil all the time. Me too. And he can, he can wait right now so you can feel like, ah, oh, this is working. I'm, I'm doing wonderful. He can put the brakes on the temptations now because he knows in a few weeks, you'll forget about all this stuff. In a few weeks, you'll be moved on to other things. In a few weeks, you'll be thinking about other things. In a few weeks, you'll be asleep. He knows you're not memorizing these verses. He knows you're not chewing on these sermons past Sunday. He knows that for many of these sermons, maybe you're only listening to them once. He knows that if he he just gives you a couple weeks, you'll forget about all of it. All of it. You'll fall right back to sleep. And he knows it. He knows it. And God knows it too. And so God has to tell us, don't sleep. Don't stop praying and don't sleep. Christian, you have got to stay awake. That sounds positive. It's not not a positive command. You've got to not go to sleep. Don't quit. Don't quit asking God to deliver you from evil and don't go back to sleep. Take these things that protect you from the roaring lion and don't Quit doing any of them. Don't fall asleep because the lion certainly won't. So let's look at a couple, a few uses and then we'll be done. A few things that we can take from what we looked at today. We've seen three things. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is, are you, are you in a trap right now? Are you in a trap? Or, or remember, remember, again, remember this if you ever find yourself in a trap. Because uh, we know some battles are, are, are a, a, a slow planting of a seed and you, and you realize, uh-oh, I, I know where these thoughts are coming from now. Other traps are, are sort of sprung quickly. So, so whether you've been long conned by Satan or it was a sudden quick attack, a sneak attack, don't just sit there and lament that you've been caught. Don't just be disappointed that you're caught and disappointed you're doing this and I thought I'd never do this again and I, and I can't believe I this and I, ne- I thought I'd never say something like that again and I'd been doing so, so good and, and, and all these things. The whole time, still just sitting in the snare. Still just sitting in the snare. No, confess it and get out of it. Confession and repentance are the keys, again, to unlocking Satan's snares. Confess, repent, and get out of whatever Satan has used to trap you. Don't spend any more time doing anything until you first confess and get away. 
confess it and get away. Whatever the trap is, confess, I shouldn't have said this, I shouldn't have thought this, I shouldn't have done this, and then repent. Quit doing it. Quit doing it. And then we can go on from there. But the first thing you do, get out of the trap. Are there any traps that you're in now? Or remember this if you ever find yourself in a trap in the future. And the next was get to work. I mean, guys, idle hands are a problem for us. And Satan, Satan is so smart. And this is, I mean, we live, in a, we live in a time where we, fortunately, by God's grace, and if, by his grace it will continue, where we don't have to slave every day in order just to provide food for us and our families. So we have a lot of free time. And in fact, we get our feelings hurt if we don't have two days of free time at the end of the week. We kind of get a little bit put out by God if we even have to give him just a little bit of one of those days of free time uh, on a Sunday. We're like, well, Lord's Day, how about Lord's Hour? Because uh, I got to rest and, uh, you know, all that. So, so when, we're, when we're thinking about these things, it can be easy for us because we've been so blessed to allow our hands to be very idle. To be very idle. And Satan is, is smart. In our, he'll actually use our idle hands to convince us that the solution is actually the problem. And we'll think the problem is I'm working too much. And God says, no, the problem is you're not working enough. Get to work, be busy, and be busy with the right things. We know not all work is work. Or at least not all work is the work you need to be doing. I mean, men, if it tells women to get to work by having kids and and managing their homes, guess what? They're not doing any of that solo, right? Your job is not to go, ah, I'm going to sit back and watch her work. Good, be a good house despot. I mean, none, I mean, we get into the biology of it, but none of that's going to happen alone, right? You have a job in this as well. As she's mastering the house, she's taking dominion of the home. Guess who's the one who's leading and shepherding her and her soul and washing her with the water of the word and doing all those things that will help her want to keep working in it. Your job is not just to go, oh, master that house, baby. And you know, you're sitting there doing your thing. That's not what you're called to do either. Especially if you're not doing what you're called to do, which is washing her with the water of the word. If you're not washing her with the water of the word, no wonder she doesn't like washing the dishes. Because you're not doing the things that's going to help her want to do things to keep working. She's going to see it all as a problem anyway because you haven't been feeding her soul and Satan has been feeding her the lies. You get to work. I mean, the the, the devil will denigrate the home in the minds of women and men because he knows that doing so is a precursor to temptation. He knows if he can get us to hate our homes, then he's going to be knocking out one of the things that God says uh, through, uh, through Paul to Timothy that is one of the things that will protect us from his snares. If he can make the home a punishment rather than a protection, then he's already got your, one of your feet in the trap. If he can make you think that the home is just is just something you're having to do. It's something you're laboring to have to do instead of this is the thing that protects me from Satan. This is the thing that God has blessed me with to protect me from the evil one. If you already begin to not think that's true. And again, that's why, that's why what he's teaching our next generation is so sneaky. Because he is already getting girls to think and boys to think that there's more to life than just having kids and a home. That's the very thing that the Bible says protects those young women. And Satan is already getting them to think, no, 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 that's a problem, not a protection. And, And husbands and wives, be careful, because the evil one might even be using your whispered speech to do it. 
Might be using the conversations they hear you have, the ways they hear you react. I mean, kids can hear a sigh as well. They can hear a, and when, when mama or papa is all day long going, you know, that doesn't sound like glory be to God, you know? Uh, so they're like, man, this really sounds like not a fun life for mama over there. Uh, or papa is really like, hey, everyone doing good? All right, I'll see you guys in three hours. I'm out of here. I mean, they see these things. They don't just see it on the TV. They don't just see it in, uh, from, from, from uh, media. and all. I mean, they can hear it sometimes from us. Already, he's got Christians saying these things. He's got Christians believing these things. And he, that trap is set in the minds of these young ladies and men before they ever step foot in their own homes. Before they ever step foot in their own home, they're already thinking, I got to get out of this place. Already teaching young boys that wives and kids are a burden. Already teaching them what you got to do is you got to live a little and then you settle down. You got to get a career. You got to finish college. You got to do all these other things. And, and then you look at your life and you go, you know what? When the world is describing not sinful times, they normally don't talk about the early 20s, right, in someone's life. Uh, someone's normally like, you know, the times I was the most pure and stable spiritually? My early 20s. Uh, no one ever says that. And yet we're like early twenties, go live a little, right? The Lord is telling us in Timothy, early twenties, get married, have kids, manage your home. Why? Because Satan is looking to get you. And this will protect you from that. These young people are having all sorts of premarital struggles because we don't read first Timothy. The church does. I mean, the church is the one just as much spouting these. I mean, the Christian church is just as much spouting these things as anybody else. And instead of protecting them from a snare, we actually prepare them for it. We're actually preparing them for the snare. Christian, you want to avoid the devil's snares? Get to work. Be busy and be busy with all the right things. Just look at your, if we want to look at the home. And again, we have to look at the home because that's what the the Lord focuses on in Timothy there. But if you, you look at the home... God has placed a kingdom of souls in your care. How much do you think you should labor for those souls? A kingdom of souls that he has placed in your care. If I were to tell you, how many, day, how many hours out of the day should you devote to teaching a soul to know and love the Lord? I doubt you're going to say six really hard hours. You're gonna, you would say rightly, I would give my life, I should give my life for that. And the Lord says, exactly. And if you do that, then you'll be too busy to be caught in the snares of the evil one. Are you being protected by being busy? Or has Satan already started tricking you into thinking that being busy is actually the problem? And then last, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop praying. Don't go back to sleep. I know, again, I know it sounds crazy, but there's a temptation for us to want to do both those things. How many times have you prayed, deliver us from evil? Don't quit praying that. When we're done with this study, don't let this prayer sneak away from your lips. Look at your life, Christian. Are you awake on Sunday? Are you already doing this? Are you awake on Sunday, but back to sleep by Monday? Are you awake to all these great truths and you're like, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do today. Tomorrow's another story. Are you awake today? But tomorrow, if you looked at your spiritual life, you're like, everything I learned yesterday, I'm not doing. Why? You went back to sleep. 
Are you awake for about 15 minutes after you hear the sermon, but by the time you, you, you know, finish lunch, both your body and soul are ready for a nap? We cannot go back to sleep. This week, let me encourage you to add to your prayers to deliver us from evil. Deliver me from evil. Deliver us from evil. And don't let me go back to sleep. Don't let me sleep. Because the lion is always watching. He's alert. He ain't sleeping. You don't sleep either. Let's pray. There is in this some really hard calls for us. And for some of you, it's the get to work part. And for some of you, it's the don't sleep part. And the reason I put the get out of the snare there first, because I want you to know what to do if you've heard the part about getting to work and you realize, oh no, I haven't been doing that. What do you do? You confess and you quit being caught in that snare. Confess and repent. I've been thinking that my protection was my problem. Confess and repent. You've been asleep, husband. You've been asleep. You've been, you've been sleeping. On, you, you, you're real excited today, but you look at your week and you have not been leading your wife toward it. You haven't been washing her with the water of the word. You haven't been doing the things you need to be doing. You've been sleeping while the enemy is outside. Confess and repent. If you do, just right now do that. Say, Lord, I am sorry that I've been sleeping. And even just ask him, Lord, help me to never sleep on these things. Help me to be busy. Help me to set the example in my home of what it looks like to work. To be modeling it for my wife and my children. To never let my idleness be the path that Satan uses to attack my wife or my children. May you be busy and busy with all the right things. If you haven't been, confess. If you've been working a lot but not doing the right sort of work, confess. Confess and don't let Satan make you busy with all the things that don't really matter while you're slacking at all the things that do. And if you look at that and you go, oh, that is what I'm doing, just confess it. Get out of the snare. And start doing what you should do. Start doing it today. Certainly don't go, ah, and then go right back to sleep. These are hard things because the fight, the battle is hard. These are the traps he wants to set. We saw in Proverbs 7 what he does with these traps. He'll hide them. He'll spring them. And we won't realize we've fallen into the trap till the arrow's in our liver. We'll go rushing into the snare. Hear these things. Confess them. Get to work and don't quit. Father, we come to you today, God, because we, we are fighting an enemy that is, that is keen and cunning. And who tricks us, he tricks us into doubting the good things that you give us. The good things that you give us, we'll turn around and, 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 and actually think that that's bad that you've given us. And we've done that since the garden, Lord. His strategy hasn't changed. He doesn't need to. Because we are so foolish as to fall in the same trap that all of us have fallen in since the beginning. 
The good news is, Father, because the traps are all the same, we know how to deal with them. We know what our temptations are. We know what the struggles will be. And we know that those temptations and struggles are not coming from you. They're coming from the evil one. So help us, Father. Help us when we, we, when we become trapped to see it, to confess it, to repent. Just get out of it. Get out of it as quickly as we can. Whether in this case it's that we haven't been working or that we've quit, we've fallen to sleep. We've gone back to sleep even after you've told us all these things. Whatever it is, Father, please, please, Lord, work in us these truths. Protect us, Father, from the evil one. Deliver us from him and his lies. Because we know, Father, we know that these temptations are common. Help us to be ready for them and help us to confess when we haven't been. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.